Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us under the Burn Orange Nation podcast feed. You can subscribe there and get the latest episode. Same thing on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all of the major players in podcasting. We'd love to have you as part of our community. You can connect with us on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We're just the Longhorn Republic podcast on Facebook. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the Archduke of the Nauf, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? The Archduke of the Mouth or the Nauf? That was uh, Nauf. I need some clarification. Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, I represent the dirty, dirty South, as as it were. Um, but my family is originally from Pennsylvania, so I understand uh, how I would be described as such. But no, man, I'm doing fantastic. I am, uh, I am having a nice, a nice week here in Houston, Texas. It's a, a nice balmy summer. Trying to stay in the doors as much as possible at a nice weekend outside, but uh, we'll not be going back outside this entire week because it's muggy here. Um, but things are going well. Summer's coming to an end. Sad to see, but not going to miss this weather. And we are stinking close to football season. Gee, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting excited. I'm getting that giddy feeling. I'm starting to feel it. I, I feel like Brandon Jones and Taquan Graham hitting the perfect eagle like sums up my feelings <laughs> on it. Like, that was... Like I, I did not tag Zach Braff and uh, and Donald Faison in that, but I should have, uh, and it's a missed opportunity by me. I think I may still go back and do it. Uh, but Texas is back on the practice field. Fall camp has started, even though it's still a billion degrees outside. They're on the football field, putting in their time. Texas on the field with big expectations. Number 10 in the coaches poll, as we saw this week, that preseason polling is coming in, having their first media availability, talking about expectations is what's happening out of camp. We're going to do a big Texas preview here in just a few weeks, two weeks to be exact. We've got tech next week, and then we'll do our own self preview. But Kyle, before we get to that, let's let's wet the palate a little bit and talk. Man, what are you wanting to see or hear coming out of fall camp? With the questions we have uh, at specific positions, we talked a lot about that. Man, what are you hoping to see coming out of fall camp for the Longhorns? Well, I feel like this this season more than more than any in, in recent memory is um, kind of a, a mound of, of shapeable, you know, sculptor's clay. There's a lot to work with here. I think finding that combination of what the best 11 guys are on each side of the ball, obviously you're replacing starters. It's been uh, beat to death in the offseason about how many starters Texas is replacing and big contributors, etc., etc. But there's just so much talent and how on both sides of the ball they squeeze the most and get the most effective use of those guys. I think um, kind of obviously uh, looping in some of the young, hyper-talented freshmen that they have coming in in Whittington and Jake Smith. Um, not to mention Marcus Washington, who's looking like a beast in the offseason. Um, on defense, you know, what combination defensive backs they get in there, what the linebacking group looks like. Again, that defensive line, not quite as experienced as they were last year, but just some monsters in there. Um, there is there is a ton of talent on this team and I mean there there hopefully is a little chip on the shoulder that it may not be nationally recognized uh, despite having a a number 10 ranking in the coaches poll it may not be universally recognized just how much is actually there so I think for me it's it's um who gets on the field when um how they kind of blood some of these young guys and and the steps that 
the the elder statesmen that we expect to take forward how they actually do that ellinger becoming full-on ellen god um you know brandon jones stepping up uh roach stepping up these seniors kind of in 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 watching both the herman press conference and the players press conferences um i I love the media availability with the players because you see I, I won't call it cockiness, but you see confidence oozing out of them. It's it's humble. It's, you know, we're, nothing is taken for granted. We have to earn it to be there. But you just see the looks on their faces, the way they hold their shoulders, you know, the, the way the words just come out of their mouths. They, they, they're excited. They think that they are a good team. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm... I'm excited to see that we can get into the little specifics, but I just think um, for me, a lot of it is going to be around getting those best guys on the field. Obviously, you know, defensive backfield outside of the safeties is going to be really important. Um, I think, you know, getting, getting those cornerbacks out there um, and, and deciding on who the, the two best are. Herman mentioned there was some gap closure between the top and the second string, which is a good thing, but you have to start with two guys out there on the edges. And who is that? going to be and is that going to be the 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 tandem all season this is probably a controversial opinion but whatever it's a night of hot takes you'll find that out when we get to our interview with kendall i think this team may be younger and less experienced but more talented than last year's squad yeah. And that's probably a controversial opinion, but I think Brecken Hager had his struggles last year. I think on that side of the defensive end, uh, I think there's an upgrade there. It's hard to upgrade from a guy mm-hmm. who's been drafted by the Houston Texans, but um, so that's probably not an upgrade. I think at defensive tackle, again, we love us some Chris Nelson on this podcast, but there are... Chris Nelson was the guy in the center last year, and I think they have probably three guys in the center this year. Um, and I think... That backside of that defense, you know, the the cornerback specifically, we talked about paying the Boyd tax last year. I don't think the tax rate will be as high. I think we're shifting tax brackets. Uh, We may have a little bit of youth tax, but it's not, uh, you're not going to get as many boneheaded plays. Hashtag, I just rewatched the Baylor game this week. Chris Boyd made that game way more interesting than it should have been. And I think on the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned that, uh, that swagger, that, and it's not your traditional, like, Miami 1985 to 1995 swagger, right? It's like the, um, like you walk in a room and you see somebody that you know that they have it and they know that they know that they have it and it doesn't need to be communicated. That's the type of swagger that I'm seeing from Texas. Like they're not the chest thumping swagger, but the, Hey, we all know that, that we can be a great team if we play as well as we can up to our level of talent. And that's the level of confidence they're walking in. And I love seeing that after, again, I cannot stress this enough. Three years ago, this team lost to Kansas. We're three yep. years removed from the Kansas law. Not even three full three years. That was the end of the, what, 2016 season. So we haven't even concluded the third year yet. And seeing that mentality change from these players if they can live up to the level of confidence that they're walking in, I'm going to be very, very pleased. And I think a lot of Texas fans will be as well. I mean, Texas is back when confetti's falling, like when we're all the way officially back. That's that's when it happens. But seeing those players, to quote um, obvious University of Texas fan, we've all seen the picture of her in the jersey, y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess, paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh said the queen Beyonce and I think that's the kind of energy I'm loving to see from our players um, the one the one thing that I'm really truly to, to get a little specific and uh, and get in the, the weeds again I know we're going to have um, our preview coming up here in a little bit where we dive a little deeper but uh, Keontae Ingram looking big 
looking fast. Herman said he uh, is faster and 20 pounds heavier. Again, that's that uh, hashtag Yancey effect. Um, I, I believe uh, I believe Keontae is, is prepped and ready for a breakout year. Um, obviously, some news about uh, Bijan coming in and, and what we saw from Whittington earlier in the offseason means the running back room, um, you know, should, should be okay. I think there was a point when panic was widespread amongst the Burn Orange faithful. But I think uh, between that and some of the scheme things they're doing, um, the run game could look quite a bit different this year than last year. And Jordan Whittington isn't even into his grown man body yet. Like that's, that's still an 18 year old that's looking rocked up like that. So this running back room has a lot to be expected of them with the level of talent that year. And we didn't even mention Danny Young, who dear God, if they don't put Danny Young in when it's third and one from the one yard line I may throw my remote through my TV and my kid will learn some words that we don't want him to learn because uh, I can't I can't stand it but we'll have a more in-depth preview for you in just a couple of weeks so stay tuned we are wrapping up our season previews sorry it just popped in my head when you said that I don't know why is does Danny Young have a nickname I don't think so I, I'm in a lobby that we call Danny Young the thing and when he comes in we just shout it's clobbering time that's 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 my new hope for Danny Young like he does not touch the ball except when it's clobbering time so please make that happen Kyle that was a that was a reference I wasn't expecting from you but I'm glad it happened that's more my territory but that's that's completely fine uh I I was going to go uh, throw back to what we talked about last week and several years ago. He looks like a smaller uh, looks like a smaller Henry Melton. So rather than big uh, beef jerky, I want to call him Slim Jim. Ooh, that's not bad. It's also ironic because he's not particularly slim. He is not. No. When, and again, I have zero room to talk, but he's a big fella running the ball. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but we are 25 mere days from the Texas Longhorns kickoff. And we are two weeks away from the end of our season preview. So we've got Kendall Cout of our Daily Bears here to give us some insight on the Baylor Bears. Man, Kendall, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing well, Gerald. Good to be on with you and Kyle today. And I just want to give a give a quick shout out. Our Daily Bears is one of my favorite named SB Nation sites on the whole network. It just uh, it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate it. I didn't come up with the name, but whoever did, I think it was Mark back in the day. Good for him. I appreciate the compliment. It's like a, it's it's wide right and natty light are probably probably one and one a for me. I can't figure out which one has the letter, but they're both they're both incredible. Both on brand. Yes, very very much so. Uh, so we I guess it's just kind of our thing with these. Now we'll start with the quarterback and kind of the passing game of the Baylor Bears because that's that's the big story at least uh, from my vantage point. So Baylor is bringing back the uh, the potent pairing of uh, Charlie Brewer, who if you remember rewatching or watching that game Texas did not offer him a scholarship I rewatched that on YouTube and forgot how annoying that commentary was uh, but Texas didn't offer him a scholarship but he's there at Baylor along with one of the best wide receivers hands down in the conference and probably the country uh, Denzel Mims they were incredibly potent uh, combination last year so what are the expectations then for the Baylor passing attack in this year? Do we expect it to be uh, more or at least an even farther degree of that like wide open passing attack that, that I guess in several years past people would uh, associate with Baylor? Uh, hopefully it'll be a really good one. Um, I still think that the expectation that it will get back to kind of the height of the old era is not going to happen. But with some of the problems we'll talk about on defense, the Baylor passing attack needs to be probably a top 10 one nationally. 
Uh, Charlie Brewer returns as, at quarterback, as you mentioned, Gerald. He was the pro football focus best returning Big 12 quarterback. I know Texas fans will say it's Sam Ellinger. OU fans would maybe say it's Jalen Hurts, but they got to name a quarterback before they decide that it's uh, their quarterback. So should be good. Mims is good. Chris Platt is a six-year senior. Uh, he is so old that he won a Big 12 championship at Baylor. Uh, so he's been around a long time. So I think the passing game will be really good. Charlie Brewer's completion percentage needs to be a little bit higher. It dropped 7% from his freshman year to his sophomore season. But you look at him, you got Mims. Josh Fleeks is one of the fastest guys in the country. Uh, they've got all the weapons you need to be pretty good on offense. Well, and so, I mean, the, the that's a that's a great summation there. But the, the offense obviously is a little bit more um, than just the guy throwing the ball and the guy's um, – catching the ball. One of the big things watching the, the Baylor team last year was the offensive line. Um, it's a mix of some experienced guys who, you know, hope take the step up and maybe some new blood in there. I think you cannot be worse probably than last year. I think it was number 111th in the nation in sacks allowed at, at three per game. Um, is, is it a scheme change, a personnel change, or just a humbling of expectations? What are the, what are the, the Baylor faithful thinking about the offensive line coming into this year? I think there's a lot of hope because sometimes it's easier to go from catastrophic to mediocre than it is to go from like good to great. Mm -hmm. And so Baylor doesn't have to be great on the offensive line with Brewer, Mims, and a good trio of running backs. They just need to be pretty decent. Uh, Jake from Oregon is now the starting center. He had played a little bit at left tackle last season. He was actually a starter on Clemson's first national championship team. Transferred, sat out a year, couldn't really get going last season. So he'll play center. The center now moves to right guard replaces two starters who had started for three years, right guard and right tackle. Um, but they kind of feel like they didn't have a lot of bodies most of the time. Uh, Matt Rule mentioned that they felt like they really only had four guys that first year they won one game. Felt like they had maybe seven guys that could play last year. Now they feel like they have ten potential bodies. And with the number of guys that get here on the offensive line, that's some hope. So I don't think it's going to be a maybe a much above average. But if it can just be an average unit, Mm -hmm. With the pieces they'll have around Charlie Brewer, it should be a really good offense. First off, from catastrophic to mediocre is now the name of my fitness podcast. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think I mean, you, you that's like the story in the Big 12 is, is seeing offensive line jumps from year to year really impacting. I mean, that was the big difference from the Tom Herman, Texas Longhorns from year one to year two. So fans of this podcast uh, can see just how that uh how impactful that can be. And, and in it's that same vein uh, at the running back position last year, it was uh, a committee. There were like three guys that had more than five carries per game on average, which is a, is a big split. All three of them uh, love it. Hasty and Ebner, at least according to, to my research are coming back this year. And I know the oars are gone from the, the, uh, the depth chart to the, you know, much delight of Baylor fans, but do we still expect to see pretty solid or, from that running back group or will one guy kind of separate himself from the pack yeah definitely a committee thing gerald and then abraham smith got quite a few carries last year so there probably are four guys that can play running back uh coming out of the spring there was some thought that john lovett who was one of baylor's best backs the last two years might even switch to defense uh jamichael hasty's a really good running back he's played a lot since his freshman year he's now a senior uh, but he's had some injury concerns and so with how baylor likes to run the ball still I would expect that Hasty will be the primary back to begin the season. He's the best pass-catching option. And the one maybe difference that I think people would like from the current offense to the Bryles iteration of the offense schematically is that they throw a lot more to the running back, and Hasty's a really shifty guy in space. Sometimes he doesn't run north-south as much as he maybe should, but I would expect a big year from the Baylor running backs. 
I'm very big on the Baylor offense. I still have significant questions, though, about that defense. Well, there's a perfect segue. Um, you, you mentioned not only the transition from a Bryles to a kind of a rule team. You think of defense when you think of Coach Rule. You, you have a couple names, including obviously James Lynch, who um, if, if Big 12 fans don't know him real well, we'll probably know him by the end of the season. I think a preseason All-Big 12 player. Um, as, the, as the offense you know, is, is good, but the defense needs to be there, what are the keys that you're looking for on that side of the ball um, for, for Baylor to have some success? The, if you only let me kind of look at one stat by the end of the year, Kyle, it would be big play defense. How many big plays does Baylor give up this season if you want to quantify that as 20 yards or more or even bigger that's fine but Baylor has been just abysmal at preventing the big plays the first two seasons Phil Snow was kind of a hot commodity as the defensive coordinator at Temple follows rule down to Baylor did an excellent job in year two at Temple uh, but that didn't really happen at Baylor last season and one of the problems they had last year is when they'd run the three down linemen which they're going to run again because of some injuries they have kind of what's called two gap technique and if you're just barely off in those two gap techniques, you give up huge running lanes. And so Baylor got down by more than 20 points in the first half against Duke last season. They end up coming back and still losing that game. But you look at the kind of box score analysis Bill Conley does of that. He thought Baylor should have won that game on average with the stats they had. And so mm-hmm. when I look at it, the big concern for me still is they got a lot of guys in the secondary that are pretty quick that maybe haven't proven themselves. And if you're going to only have three down defensive linemen with those two gap responsibilities, it's just terrifying in a Big 12 where everybody's explosive to think, is Baylor going to have to drop 40-plus points again? They've done that in the past, but if you got to do that week in and week out, that's how you find yourself being a 6-6 six and six team instead of a 9-3 and three team. And I think that's a, that's a fair expectation. I actually did some uh, some work on, on explosive plays on the offensive side, so I'm interested to, to look into that. And so I think that that – your answer right there dovetails really you're just kind of killing the segue game today there's some expectations at least along the offensive side um that people have for Baylor and I think defense there's still some question marks but so what would you like what will it take for you to consider this season a success for Baylor as uh you know we're entering into uh Matt Rule's era getting more and more mature and, and Baylor needing to kind of prove some things in the conference like what, what do you what do you expect or really let me say it differently um what what are your expectations to call this season a success I think for me it would be an eight win season mm-hmm. uh they won six games last year I think the big 12 I think Oklahoma and Texas both have some ways that you can squint and think that they could maybe be playoff contenders. But after that, like, I am really not buying this Iowa State nonsense that everybody's trying to sell. Like, I don't know, maybe the Cyclones. It's like everybody feels bad for them because I'm just going to go on this rant. Like, what is the what is the point? What's kind of the point in Iowa State? Like, they never win at anything. They talk about how their basketball program is so great. They're never in the Elite Eight even. Their greatest coach of all time who went to Iowa State and is called the mayor, when he has the opportunity – takes the Nebraska job and talks about how that <laughs> is like his home because his grandfather coached there. I was like, that's like be like me standing up and saying that I love Germany or Sweden. I'm like, I don't have any connections to those places, but <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. So I'm just not on this Iowa State train. I'm not on Iowa State trains generically. Um, I think Matt Campbell's a good coach, but I don't believe in them. TCU still doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, Oklahoma State, maybe they're the team that kind of rises up and gets better. KU's garbage. K-State's going to be terrible in year one. So you look at the conference and you're just like, I mean, Oklahoma and Texas are clearly better than Baylor on paper, but I don't even think they're like that much better that like you should be getting blown out by 40. And you look at every other game on the schedule and Baylor's playing a truly the epitome of an Art Bryles non-conference schedule this year with just no competition. (laughs) And so you look at it and you're like, you know, these are really good coaches. They've recruited pretty well. They got some old dudes. 
why can't they win eight games potentially? Um, I think my, kind of my concern though is still, is there just enough that you have those 50-50 games and does this look more like a seven or a six-win team? So if they get to a bowl game, I don't think it's a failure of a season. To me, if it's less than six, you really got to ask some questions about what happened. I know there are people that think that they could win eight or nine games or even 10 maybe. I think that's probably a tall ask. But for me, it's you got to get to seven for it to be considered okay. You get to eight, you're feeling pretty good. But we're talking about really small sample sizes here where you know, you could win nine games and feel like you stole two, or you could win seven and feel like you just barely missed out. And that's the difference between feeling good or bad in the offseason. But you know, the smallest degree of difference is what makes or breaks programs and for Baylor you feel like eight might be where they need to be I love that that's uh, that's free content right there for all our listeners across the big 12 you just got you got some takes Um, I do love that we followed our Iowa State uh, last week with a um, a very optimistic I would say um, assessment of the Iowa State team with a a Baylor reality check I would love to see the battle of the mats rule versus Campbell Um, but either way I my favorite thing probably that you said was the the Art Bryles schedule I actually checked I thought for a second that Baylor was playing Mount Vernon this year that Bryles had scheduled him when he was the head coach because it did seem like they had some winners in that non-conference. But that's, you know, folks, Longhorn Republic is where you tune in to get the takes, not just from Gerald and I, but even from our friends. That was perfect. We we only bring the top quality commentators, which is why we asked Kendall today. And, and, you know, Kendall, I I actually said something similar on the 1012 podcast that's going to come out later this week um, (laughs) that I think Iowa State is going to be good, not great, because you don't lose two of your best players in school history uh, and keep up with that level of production. That's like 80% of their production graduated last year. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, So one one last question I want to ask, and then we'll, we'll move into the rapid fire. So we've got to hit on a lot of the high points and Kyle and I, the part of the reason why we do this is because Kyle and I are admitted amateurs at, at most things. And so we want to get an expert's view uh, at this. And so what's something that people like us looking at the outside with, from the outside with our limited perspective, aren't looking at that you think is going to be a big story or could be a big deal uh, for Baylor this year. I'm going to say, you know, how good are the linebackers? I think the Baylor linebacker core has the potential to be the worst in the conference. And it also has the potential to be like the third best. Like there is no gap as big as the linebacker quarter. Like I feel utterly confident Charlie Brewer is at least the third best quarterback in this league. Sure. Get your Brock Purdy hot takes out the game. I don't want to hear about <laughs> Iowa State. I don't care who TCU is running out there. Um, Brewer is at least the third best quarterback in the league, and yeah. he has a case for one or two. Uh, but Baylor's linebacker core. There's a big question with Clay Johnston being that good. Blake Lynch, a guy. Yeah. Gilmer, Texas, has played about every position at Baylor, is good. But then you got two other guys where Terrell Bernard's been good in the past, and then you wonder who else is going to play. So in a 3-4 system, or if they're going to play a a 3-3-5 a lot, you wonder how that core will hang up. So if you kind of look at Baylor and you look at how is Baylor's linebacker core rated out at the end of the season, that'll really tell you, did this team win nine games or did it win five? Probably more likely they win seven, but that's what it'll tell you. Oh, that's that's fantastic insight, and I do love that you mentioned Lynch. I actually, since you were on the Iowa State train, he gives me Joel Lanning vibes because I believe didn't he play Wildcat quarterback for y'all at one point uh, in the past? Yeah, back yeah. wide receiver, cornerback, safety, and now linebacker. Gosh, I I, <laughs> I love the old school football player who just you know 
put me out there, coach. I'll do it. Like, I love that. That's uh, he's, I will not necessarily be rooting for, for, for Baylor. Or maybe I'll watch with my wife in the, the non UT weeks. But when I do, I'm rooting for that kid. I like, I, I love a player like that. Takes as spicy as the red salsa from Chipotle. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to move on now to, uh, to really where, where people come to the show uh, for. So we're going to jump into rapid fire questions that um, are going to be a little bit out of left field. So just be okay with that uh so this is we had we had melissa treeblosser on uh about four weeks ago i think is the count now to, to preview tcu and we asked we asked this question to all of our all of our guests and she actually gave a legitimate like nice answer to it so we had her say something nice about uh the baylor bears and she said that matt rule was one of the best people on the planet was her uh quote i went back and listened to it so if you had to say one nice thing about the texas christian university and or their athletic program you University athletic program, whatever, what would you say? Um, I'll just say it. There are a lot of attractive people that went to TCU. And <laughs> I'm not, you know, I traditionally have noticed the women are very attractive there, but I'll look around at their games and be like, there are a lot of man pretty dudes here too. Um, so <laughs> they got a lot of attractive people. Um, you know, if we brought, I know some people that are attractive that went to Houston, but I'll be real. If the league had brought Houston in, right, there aren't quite as many hot people going to Houston. Certainly the <laughs> Houston itself, if you ranked like America's metro areas, I think it's like an above average metro in terms of hotness. So I don't want people at me from Houston, but like TCU, they got a lot of attractive people. And so, sure. um, I think that like, Baylor, I, I would definitively endorse everybody going to Baylor over TCU, but like, and they got a lot of attractive people. Like, I don't know if I, I like went to TCU and like downloaded hinge or bumble or whatever app is killing it down there. I'd be like, this, these women are too attractive. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. All these man pretty dudes, how do I compete? So good on you, TCU. <laughs> and Fanta, these are good takes, save for, for Gerald's other podcast, rating Big 12 hotties and hot gentlemen uh, today. So uh, y'all can take that one offline, but that's a fantastic answer. I like that the TCU person went on the niceness of your coach and you went on, it, again, checks out. It checks out for each school. But uh, I'm going to take it now to a hypothetical realm. So follow me here on this journey. We know in Waco, I've, I've had people from outside of the state of Texas ask me how far Houston is from Waco, which is just the inverse of how anchor points are supposed to work. Um, but Waco has been put on the map by Chip and Joe, of course. Um, and let's say hypothetically, their ever-expanding empire and takeover of, of the entire city of Waco goes, and it comes to a construction you know, standpoint, hey, we need this space to put up whatever, the gift shop for our place. If you had to save just one of these three Waco institutions, the other ones go to Chip and Joe for development. Would you save George's, VTEX, or my favorite hamburger spot, Health Camp? Um, I respect all those. I would endorse all of them. If any of them would sponsor the podcast we do in the uh, winter about Baylor basketball, I would lie and pick the other two. Uh, but for me, it would be George's. Okay. Uh, you can drink at George's. You can't drink really at the other two. I don't Fair. think Vtex has beer. Um, but you can drink at George's. And the last time I was at George's, uh, some dude was trying to hit on a friend in our group. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, but he bought, like, everybody drinks there. And that uh, was just a big moment for George's that we could get drinks bought for everybody because one dude liked a dude that was in a group that I was with. And you, you won't find that at VTEX. Like nobody's buying me, you know, a gut pack if I go with a group <laughs> there. And so really at George's is the kind of place where that can happen. Crazy right. rates are pretty chill. So George's all day. All right. 
Good to know. I'll report back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Chip and Joanne, avid listeners. So they now they now they know. Uh, so this this one's a little bit uh, a, a weird one. So um, if you had to pick from one of the other um, kind of religious centric schools in in Texas, one of the major ones, either TCU or SMU. If you had to go to one or the other, you're getting a all expenses paid uh, master's degree. If you had to go to one of those two, Baylor's not an option. Which one would you choose? It's SMU for sure. Uh, <laughs> you're in Dallas, which is definitely better than Fort Worth. Nice. The I like basketball more than football, and so you're at an institution, weirdly enough, that I think basketball's kind of liked after what Larry Brown did. And then mm. for all the, like, I'm glad I got to say TCU has hot people now because now I get to insult them a little bit to say as hot as TCU is. Uh, I was down in, at a Hawaiian party in Dallas like two years ago because uh, I didn't really know what was going on with my life, and a buddy of mine who <laughs> was like a type 1 diabetic needed to get down to, like, Dallas for, like, some insulin. And then we found out about a Hawaiian party down there. So I go to this Hawaiian party in Dallas, and it's a guy from Baylor who goes to SMU for law school. And he's got all these SMU folks there, and it was just insanity. Like, Kansas City's got some fine-looking people, but these SMU people, I was just like, you know what? The game's over. I don't even know how I could compete. Like, I get why my ancestors were peasants and why these people were rich. It's like they are just so attractive. I couldn't even handle it. So I would go to SMU and just see the people all the time and – be like, you know, I have no chance with these people, but I had a chance to be around them, and that was good enough. <laughs> you were bringing takes, and I love it. Uh, I will just say my official, I don't think this is the official, but it should be motto for SMU is Daddy's Bucks by Nips and Tucks. Um, I will I will finish it with, uh, with one uh, final question here, because this is uh, a, a matter of particular interest to me. Um, I do the Texas pregame over the Barking Carnival every year, and we take a look at the rosters in the most nonsensical of ways by ranking the ridiculous names, mostly, on the roster. So I was doing a quick scan, and my favorite name that stands out, and you tell me if this is the best or there's something I missed, um, is that you have a punter named Isaac Power. That would be show up as I.Power on the uh, the hypothetical NCAA 2020 video game. Is there a better name than a person who punts whose name is I Power? on the entire Baylor Bears roster. That is a very good pick, uh, Kyle. Um, I'm a big fan that we have a... I'm trying to... like, Man, that is a great pick. Um, Craig Williams is nicknamed Squirrel, and they listed him now as Squirrel Williams on the media guide. Nice. I feel like the media guide is really just uh, your God-given name times two. So I think that's probably the right pick. Um, We have a guy named John Mayers. Who looks like a <laughs> kind of guy who, like, if you've seen a photo of him, he looks like he burned down Atlanta in the Civil War. <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't think we have as many good names this year. Like, I was posting all these memes about, like, you know, tell Atlanta we're coming back. Um, but it was good. So I think that's probably our best name. We don't have as many good names this year. Like, we've had some good ones in the past. Um, like, we got a Gary Bohannon that spells his name like Jerry, but also with a G. Nice. So it's like you got that gift gif debate, but I don't know that I really want to have the gift gif debate. Like, Taekwon Thornton's alliterative, but it's not like anything crazy. Like, we just have, you know, pretty decent names. Like, that, that might be the problem. If we get back to the end of the season, we're five and seven, we're going to be like, you know what our problem is? We're just too straightforward. We needed somebody just wild and crazy. You don't have the name. Yeah, you don't have the name recognition. I'll say your basketball team's doing well, because I think Flo, Flo Thamba, the Mo Bamba knockoff, is, is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a great name. And it's just like, <laughs> we have a bunch of great names in basketball, but... Man, this now got me worried. I'm like, maybe these Iowa State fans are going to win the Big 12 now that I've said this. I, I don't believe in anything now. 
<laughs> Sorry to have shaken you to your core. Man, that that's a that's like a um it's like a nihilistic way to end this. I'm sorry. But uh, Kendall, if people want to get more of what you have to offer, man, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, so I got a Twitter. It's at Kendall Kaut, which is K-E-N-D-A-L-L-K-A-U-T. I guess hook them for y'all, not hook them for me. Um, <laughs> I got an Instagram, but I'm not very hot, so I wouldn't follow me on Instagram. I'd mainly follow me on Twitter and just read my takes. Sounds Love good. It. Love it. Hey, Kendall, thank you so much for uh, so taking some time out to uh, to talk to us today, man. Heck yeah, I appreciate it, Gerald and Kyle. It's been a good one. We'll do it again soon. So it was a big week in recruiting for the Texas Longhorns, capping off what was a crazy like five or six weeks of uh, commitments left and right. So we brought the man himself, Cody Daniel, who's rubbing his hands together like uh, like – I don't I don't want to go with DJ Khaled for the other implications there, but you definitely like excited at the level of DJ Khaled here. I mean my, Gerald just comes on with so much energy, man. It just it's kinda of blew me away a little bit, but <laughs> it's a privilege to be back on the show, fellas. It's been a minute. Like like Khaled said though, that's a good seg. Another one. Another one. <laughs> it, it, it's been like that a little bit for hey. eleven in about five weeks. That's that's a little roll right now. I'll, I'll take, take it. It is. So we uh, we told you Joe Hamilton was going to be on. Joe had some scheduling uh, stuff come up. But but Cody is here. Cody and I were, were kind of exchanging some messages back and forth leading up to uh, the, the, the first commitment we're going to talk about. Uh, Texas snags kind of it's hard to call a guy in this 2020 class a crown jewel but if you've got one Bijan Robinson is probably that guy five-star running back number three running back in the country number 20 player overall out of Arizona he's the highest running back our highest rated running back excuse me the Longhorns have secured since Jonathan Gray uh, in the last two seasons uh, you can correct me with my math he's gone over uh, 4,000 cumulative yards in two seasons um and I believe he scored a touchdown every four carries as a junior, which is just ridiculous. Uh, so, Cody, we'll start with um, just kind of your analysis of Bijan Robinson. You're pretty high on him. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think and what does he bring to the table that Texas fans should be excited for? I mean, just watching this film, I couldn't help but think, like, this is what Texas is looking for in a truly elite back. Like, I think Ingram has that kind of upside. Uh, there's no telling with, with what Whittington's looking like he can be, but just watching his film, that's what it's like to land a five-star kid. Um, mm-hmm. His his burst and his first step, elusiveness, I mean, it's it's all extremely elitist. When, when trying to think of a weakness, my one thing was his pure line speed isn't top tier, and everything else is pretty much remarkable for this stage in his development. And, I mean, he, he looks the part, every bit the part, but like you said, to get the guy, um, you were actually the one who made me feel better in past years when you said, look, Texas has gotten the top running back in the Big 12 uh, last year, especially with the Darian Bound. This is what the, the third year in a row, I believe, that Texas has the highest Big 12, uh, highest ranked Big 12 running back. I mean, is is there a reason that, Texas continues to get the guys, even if, even if, um, you know, you miss a Zach Smith or you miss, uh, you know, just these, these elite guys, it looks like the, the running backs want to play at Texas and obviously, you know, happy Bajanica, because I think this is the next one in the line of Texas greats. Um, but I mean, do you, where do you see him, uh, ultimately finishing his career with, uh, with, with the Longhorns? Like what, what does he project out as? 
I mean, I think a lot of that's going to depend on how things play out with Ingram and, and Whittington at the – I mean, obviously Ingram only, will only have one, maybe two more years. But um, if, if Whittington projects as it's looking like he could, I mean, I'm not sure he'll – Whittington will be like that that number back or something. But if he kind of turns out to be the a, a guy who can kind of put up 1,200 or whatever, that's where the issue um, – to kind of limit B. John a little bit is just because there's only so many carries. I mean, Georgia thrives with it. Yeah. But that quarterback room is stocked now too, so you never know what that's going to look like. But if the if the carries come, I mean, they're he he has dope kind of potential. But those carries have to come. The offense will have to to be running back predicated primarily, which I mean, it, it seems this year they're trying to get back to now that they have a more of a feature back in Ingram. Um, long term, the 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 upside is obviously there. Mm-hmm. My one concern would be. At six two, how much of that burst and explosiveness and just kind of lateral quickness, everything special now, what is his frame going to look like and how will that impact it? I know Keontae Ingram's been saying throughout spring practice that um, he just – not spring practice, sorry, um, just the other day in, in, in fall camp that he added the, the 26 pounds, but he said he actually feels faster and, and smoother than he did when it's 205. Can Bijan yeah, yeah. do the same thing? And – I mean, but the, it's between that and just is what carries are going to be left behind Whittington and Ingram. And and you've seen, I think he he compares at least to me uh, his running style, uh, maybe a slightly less violent Ezekiel Elliott. And you saw what um, mm. that he the guy he specifically cited in his reasons for committing to to Texas under uh, you know Coach Beck and Coach Herman. So I think there's there's a good. Uh, Good comparison there to be made, especially as far as uh, a big body, a guy who's going to put on some thickness as he gets into the Yancey McKnight program. And, you know, not saying anything toward Bijan as he is now because I'm super excited. But I think a a, co- a high school 200 and a college 210, 215 is a different level of body composition, at least uh, based on what Yancey McKnight has proven he can do with these players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. Hey, but I, kind of to that, I think he he does have that that bell cow type of, of potential to. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Bijan's a guy that is getting at least half the carries by the time he's a sophomore. I like I like hearing that. So we're gonna shift gears and move to to 2021 because it wasn't just the 2020 class. This 2021 class is gonna be something. Uh, Tom Herman has a shot at his first number one class of, of all time if he lands some of uh, these guys that are leaning Texas. Uh, but 2021 athlete Billy Bowman, uh, four star guy out of Denton, Texas, another DFW fella in the 2021 class. Uh, he plays both ways um, for his high school, but Looks like he's projecting to a little bit of cornerback, potentially nickelback. So where does he fit in uh, to what Texas is doing? Will he play offense? Will he play defense? And and where can they use his kind of dynamic playmaking ability? Yeah, I think Billy's a little weird to project at this point. He does everything well. On, on top mm-hmm. of playing both sides, special teams, he runs track, plays basketball. He's just a natural athlete that kind of thrives everywhere. On film, I mean, I – I was attracted to how, how how quick his reaction time was and, and how he reads and reacts well, um, uh, and, and even just his, his seemingly natural instincts and coverage. I like him at corner, but with a 2021 guy, there's so much more time to develop before you're yeah. ever going to step foot on UT's campus. So, I mean, there's – I think he will be like a Jamison guy where he's so good at both or has so much upside at both that you try him and switch it. I mean, now you're hearing Jamison's pushing to compete. Right. I mean, starting corner, and right. I think 
Bowman could be that kind of guy where it's like, look, he's, he's good everywhere. Let's, what do we need? Let's try him there. If not, switch him. And he'll just find a fit and go with it. Yeah, I, I love the idea of stocking the roster with guys who can play multiple positions either side of the ball and just getting dudes, getting guys who will figure out where their best position is later. Like the idea of a Whittington Bowman, um, Tyler Owens, some of these guys that are just like lightning fast, big bodied um, football players, or like you said, just athletes. Like to me, that is that is a fully stocked and a, a dangerous proposition uh, for other teams with a you know with a with a Tom Herman and Todd Orlando who are guys who've uh, proven to be able to you know do some different things especially with guys who are who are kind of what you would call tweeners or um, just have have multiple uh, ways to ways to kill you right which makes you think to the defense because now there's they're gonna be having safety swapping in for linebackers on top of already having three safeties it's that's it's that kind of thing like. You're big, you're fast, let's line you up wherever we can, and let's just get as many as y'all, many of y'all out there. I mean, let's just run a whole secondary out there one game. Who knows? <laughs> and, I, and you look I, back to, to like, where Texas was, like, three seasons ago, where we talk about this a couple times today, like, where you're playing freshman because that's your only option, and now it's like, well, we've got this freshman that's probably as good as the guys we have on campus. Let's just throw something at the wall and see what sticks, uh, which is a good position to be in. Yeah. I mean, just just exactly what we Bijan. I mean, a, a running back prospect who, by all accounts, looks tr- to have truly elite potential. And the question is, what carries are going to be left when he gets on campus? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what you wanted to problem. You don't want it to be, this is our four star guy that we have to throw into the fire right now. I, I was talking with uh, Westcott about this the other day. Just from 2017 to now, obviously the the back to back number three classes, but the talent upgrade in pretty much every room has been pretty yeah. remarkable. And that's obviously with guys like Billy Bowman and, and Bijan, that's only continuing. Yeah. in in, in that 2021 class, I mean, this 2020 class looks great. 2021 class looks potentially even more special, but they added their first, I mean, I guess depending on how you classify Bowman, but their first pure defensive player in linebacker, Derek Harris out of uh, new Caney. Um, he comes in as, as the number 14 linebacker in the country, uh, a top 200 guy. What, what do you think about uh, about his commitment? Where does he slot in? Is he an immediate guy? Is he a guy who develops a little bit? What do you think about him? Yeah, uh, Tom Herman always likes to say ball of clay. That's kind of what came to mind watching him. Um, solid frame. He has, he has really impressive length. But by, by solid frame, I mean one that can develop. He's he's still pretty thin. He's like 6'3", 210, 215, somewhere in that range. Um, he still seems to play with some hesitancy, which – is understandable given that he's he's only had a sophomore year and everything but um physically i mean i i think how how he develops throughout the next two years will kind of kind of determine every, determine everything but i mean my first thought was depending on how the next couple of season goes at the least he looks like a high level pass rush mm-hmm. specialist who comes off the edge during blitz situations and just goes after it that's he's, he's still a bit raw in coverage but just going downhill i mean what 21 plus uh, tackles for loss last season he, he gets backfield that's just what he does but again it's so much more time with him to develop that he's he's definitely a bit more raw than somebody like Bowman would be and and you mentioned he's still kind of raw in in his coverage ability he's a 16 year old right so like he just got his driver's <laughs> license we're, like we're, you, you keep mentioning it and I think it's such a good point like these 2021 guys are are figuring out how to drive on the yeah. highway and we're trying to project them out to uh, where they're gonna play as a, as a 19 20 year old athlete so I think um, you know her Herman likes these guys that almost look like they're lab built where it's like I don't I don't know what he's gonna look like when he gets his big boy body but it's gonna be something impressive. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's that's what I was thinking watching film on these guys is there's – they have two full seasons 
and then potentially enrolling early, going through a whole spring and yeah. and, and winter workout uh, program, and then a whole another summer, and then a fall camp before they ever even step foot on DKR at DKR. So like, there's, it's just pretty mind blowing that we're evaluating prospects on that level because they're so raw still, and the upside is, I mean, there's just no telling what they become. That's so much time for any develop. When you talk about late bloomers. These guys have, have years to work on this before we see them. One question I have just to wrap up is like when you let's like rewind the, the clock six weeks ago to ah. Texas is struggling uh, on the recruiting trail. And now six weeks later, um, Texas is surging in 2020, probably if they can land a couple of these guys where the crystal balls are heading uh, in the burn orange direction. They'll probably be in a top 15, top 10 position sooner rather than later. Top 2021 is what number three in the country right now, potentially looking at, you know, number one when they land guys like, you know, the Brockermeyer twins who are probably already wearing burnt orange. Let's just be honest here. So like, what does this do to rewrite the narrative about Texas recruiting in the last few years, which is crazy to say that because Texas has had top three classes and people are still whining and complaining on Twitter about Texas's ability to recruit. Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of aligns with just how things have been under Herman. They, they've hit their stride each summer, and this one in particular, with guys like Broughton, Prince Dorba, I mean, everybody kind of knew the decisions were coming. And towards the latter portion of the summer, when, when Joe Hamilton was out at the opening, that's, I mean, it, it was pretty much lining up for, like, this guy's leading Texas, he's announcing this week, then another one. and So it, it kind of looked like July would take off. Um, what got me was 2021. I, mean, I don't think Texas expected to see it just kind of explode like that. Milrow was, what, it this time Dang. last month, kind of trending Bama. All of a sudden, yep. he's a leader of the class and brings Hayden Connor on board. So, I mean, I, I think the 2021 was shocking. The 2020, they you kind of knew that they were going to go through a little run with, with scheduled commitments coming up. Obviously, Bijan is a nice surprise and stuff like that. But just I, I think 2021 is kind of what took people off because that hasn't been the, the method for this staff so far. I mean, they've, they've kind of hit yeah. the stride with the current class around this point. But it's – and I think that could be a sign of, of recruits seeing what's going on and just wanting to get get on board early. And at this point, Milrow has to be something like number six or seven in 247's best recruiter rankings, you know, and he's uh, <laughs> he's actually a student. Um, if, if have not... a, a Reddit following. <laughs> I mean, some of those are hilarious, but people, people love that kid. I mean, you've heard of recruiter Reggie. You've heard of these guys. I mean, it is it is all uh, get on campus Milrow right now. I between the next two seasons, by the time he's getting ready to sign, do you imagine the Twitter following he's going to have after <laughs> helping build that class completely? It's it's going to be insane to see. If we if we've got a, a listener who's better at Photoshop than I am, if somebody could put his face on a tortilla, that'd be incredible. It's always my favorite thing is the 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 Virgin Mary and the tortillas. I want to see the the Saint Milrow on a tortilla. I think that's the last thing that would complete the look for me. Fantastic. So the 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 one transition piece I wanted to ask you, Cody. I know you're the recruiting guy, but I know also you and I like to talk hoops. I have to get you on air. Quoting as saying this, Kawhi Leonard, obviously the dagger in the Sixers season, has has left the East. Has left the East. Does that mean finally this is the Sixers' year? Is there still a Giannis-sized hand swatting them away from the top? I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Maybe I'm a little biased. And Milwaukee, obviously, obviously a force. Uh, I think losing Brogdon was kind of big though. So you know, I'm rocking with my mm-hmm. Sixers. And Ben Simmons better quit playing with my emotions in these, in these little <laughs> summer workouts and then not come. 
season and be scared to attempt anything past 12 feet. He, he better start pulling them, but I, I'm going to Philly, man. You know I have to. All right. I, I, I figured you would. I just wanted to get you on air as saying it. It's now – it's in a podcast, which means it's gospel. Oh, I'm, I'm going all in this year. I'm, I'm going to be completely bullish on Sixers even winning the championship. Nice. I'm, I'm, I, it, it hasn't happened since 83. What? And this is like my best chance to see it in my lifetime as far as I'm concerned. So – Go all in. If I look like an idiot, so be it, man. I got to live up the moment. <laughs> I love you it, got, man. You got to trust the process. Is this like uh, the Al Horford effect? Like, is that what's is that what's happening right now? Is that why why you're feeling so so bullish? No, I like Horford, um, but I don't I don't think he'll be like a the deciding factor. I think I think Harris having more space would be pretty big. But seriously, I don't yeah. know, man. Just Philly needs some depth. Losing JJ was big. I'm not yeah. I'm not too mad about the Butler thing because there's there's only one ball and he he kind of wanted to be the second guy, but. Um, I mean, I, I really like how this team fits, but we need some depth. Hey, who knows? Uh, it, it could be old Zaire Smith from Texas Tech. He's looking pretty nice in summer league. You never know. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry I'm about your Spurs, though, man. Y'all, you know, y'all, y'all are stuck in basketball purgatory. It's the, it's the, it's the fighting for the city and holding around. It, it, at this point, I mean, once once Marcus Morris is your telling you no is your biggest offseason uh, story, that's uh, – I mean, I think DeMar Carroll and Trey Lyles are both good basketball players. But uh, when Marcus Morris saying no to you is the biggest offseason thing, then you know it's it's not it's not your year. But Spurs, we're all now about the, the bench. We don't care about the court. We're all about the bench. Get Duncan on the coaching bench. Move Becky up. Let Pop get ejected. Becky is going to coach an NBA game this season. You heard it here first. No doubt. That's even uh, – that's even questionable. So, I mean, we're only interested in the coaching, uh, the coaching world with the Spurs. He's speechless. He's speechless. <laughs> so, so Cody, where can folks follow you on the internet if they want to get some more of what you have to offer? I'm on uh, Twitter, Cody Daniel SBN, but I'm not the best follower on there. I'm not too active. You're not gonna, you're not gonna have too much fun following me. I'm not folks or any anything like the youth would say. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that you said like the youth would say probably is indicative. Of- hey, I'm getting old, man. I'm I'm getting old out here. It's Join the club. <laughs> man, uh, Cody, thank you so much for uh, for coming on with us tonight, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's always a good time. Y'all, y'all folks, take care. I mean, so as we head into season, the Texas uh, football team isn't the only one reporting back for uh, duty volleyball and soccer getting back into it as well. So I guess we never really gave it a pause because Texas excellence never stops. But we'll jump back in and down the 40. We got some uh, some news from the NFL Uh Mixed news. So uh, Chris Warren the third and Deontay Foreman were actually both waived by their NFL teams. Chris Warren uh, was, uh, according to reports, not in the shape that they wanted him to be. Uh, the Houston Texans said Deontay Foreman uh, was showing some bad practice habits. With if you follow him on Instagram, something doesn't add up there because uh, that dude has been putting in work. So. Chris uh, Chris Warren's still looking for a home, but Deontay Foreman, the day after he was placed on waivers, the Indianapolis Colts division rival of the Houston Texans uh, gobbled him up. So a change of scenery, moving farther north, we'll probably see snow for the first time in his life, uh, but it, Deontay <laughs> Foreman landing on his feet and hopefully gingerly on uh, that mending Achilles. Yeah, I still have a lot of hope for him. I mean, the guy leaves school early, and you expect big things. Houston Texans seem like a perfect fit. Um, 
I'm never going to sit here and say I know more than NFL coaches, but you wonder what Coach O'Brien was thinking in a in a running back room that after you know Lamar Miller is not necessarily stellar. Uh, I, I'm just very curious what what exactly happened there. Um, there was another Houston Texan who who made the journey up north to the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, Andre Johnson turned out to be a Hall of Famer. So I'm not saying that that's happening. Obviously, Johnson went at the end of his career, but uh, who knows? You know, maybe that is the uh, the same path, just different uh, different portion of the bulk of the stats in his his uh, his golden bust resume. But I think Foreman at least has a has a solid NFL career in him, uh, and I think we're we're all rooting quite a bit for him. Same for Chris Warren. Hey, man, I I I I hope you do all right, kid. It's 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 tough. It's uh, it's not worked out for you multiple times now. If only you could play Texas Tech. Uh, every week, then you know you would you would be a pro bowler yourself. <laughs> and, and I think Deontay fits really well into what the Colts are doing on offense. So I think um, I'm I'm interested to see how that works out. Uh, Longhorn legend Phil Dawson hanging up his boots after a what seems like thousand year NFL career. It was only twenty years. Um, he's hanging up his boots. He will uh, he will retire. He's going to re-sign with the Cleveland Browns, who a team he spent thirteen seasons kicking for. He uh, was with the 49ers for a couple of seasons. Was with the Cardinals for a season. Uh, so Phil Dawson hanging it up after an illustrious career uh, in the NFL. He's the reason why extra points and field goals are now reviewable. They literally call it the Phil Dawson rule. Uh, so a, a Longhorn legend calling it a day. Yeah, and, and there's there's a lot to unpack. He, he truly is the reason we have probably a punting and kicking um, podcast specifically here that that we follow such such things so closely. He laid the the precedent. He was an honorary All American his sophomore year, and then a first team All American his junior and senior years. Uh, every uh, fan of of that age who grew up watching Phil Dawson will remember the game winner against the University of Virginia, a fifty yarder and a thirty mile per hour win to give Texas a seventeen sixteen victory on the walk off, which was. Was, um, incredible. Um, he's a he's a like a, a, a Texas dude through and through. I love some of his quotes. Um, even at his retirement press conference, he said he quoted. Uh, he said, "I'm like the Toby Keith song. I'm not as good as I once was. The good once as I ever was." Which is funny because Cleveland fans were actually, uh, or Cleveland sports radio at least, were clamoring for Phil Dawson to maybe instead of just signing the the one day to retire contract, maybe stick around because Austin Siebert, who actually spent the same amount of years kicking for the Oklahoma Sooners um, and is himself, I think, 40 years old, um, has been less than stellar uh, after being a fifth-round pick and in camp has, has not been impressing folks. So, Phil Dawson, if you ever want to, you know, pull the jersey back out, I'm sure there are folks who would be willing to have you. A true Longhorn legend, um, you know, one of the all-time greats who who just did it for years and years and years. Um, I, I was going to give, like, what the number one song was when he was born and all that, but I'm not going to insult the dude and call him old. Um, he would be in the in the prime of his career in any other industry. That's a, a weird thing to remember, but just a true Longhorn great uh, set the, the groundwork for the Justin Tuckers, uh, et cetera, of the world. So uh, hook him to Phil. Yeah, it's a it's a big, big hook em to Phil after an incredible career. So last little bit of news, an interesting thing popped up. Uh, the official March Madness Twitter account uh, apparently wanted to dive into a little football conversation and controversy. So they announced uh, based upon winning per, uh, percentage, 
in uh, the 2018-2019 athletic season that the Texas Longhorns were the second best combined football and basketball program. Um, that's an interesting thing to see. And I think it's an all-time number, not yeah. just based on 18 and 19. Uh, yeah. But second to Notre Dame, you don't really see uh, or think at least a lot of uh, – avenues texas is a basketball school but clearly the proof is in the pudding kyle well i mean texas has been pretty good for a long time they've been you know all-time good in football it's funny because if you look at the list you clearly see like oh this team was so good at this sport um that's how they're carrying it like for instance ucla is third not a football powerhouse alabama tied for fourth hilariously with western kentucky um but alabama tied for fourth Again, not notoriously a basketball school. Out of the the top, you know, few schools, I would say Texas is probably the the best balance of the two. Um, you have Ohio State, who's who's been pretty good at basketball recently. Um, Oklahoma, who's you know been all right uh, for sure recently. Uh, so I, I think it's you know they're 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 one of the more balanced, which is again probably why they're number two. Um, but yeah, obviously football plays plays a big a big uh, percentage of that. But Texas basketball, no slouch, not enough to bring down football powerhouse Longhorns. And it's just good to see them over OU and the not actual UT. Now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Oh, this week I'm banging the drum on my boy Matteo. <clears throat> I apologize to any of our Italian or Italian American listeners who may have been offended by the crude Super Mario's level uh, voice there. I am at least a portion, according to 23 and Me Italian, so I think I get a pass. But again, apologies. Matteo Bochi, Bochi Ball. That's not how you pronounce his last name, but it will be forever how it's said. Uh, Bochi Ball is 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 on an ascendant rise i am thrilled for the kid um we had a texas baseball team that underachieved last year we all know that we'll have some more podcasts talking about how that's going to change but a guy from italy who came really started playing baseball came to ut um an unpolished number left the 40 acres undrafted got signed by the eugene emeralds which apparently is a thing the single a affiliate uh, of the cubs got signed by the cubs sent to single a ball um within a few short months is all the way up in triple a um and had his uh debut um in the triple a ball pitched two and a half innings three strikeouts no hits no earned runs really making a name for himself the, the type of player if he does that consistently in triple a could see a cubs roster from undrafted to one of the best teams in the majors um you know it's just an incredible story uh he was a fan favorite on the 40 acres because he just seemed lovable and he he was a a workman who whatever role he was put in whether it was the off day starter the long relief guy whatever he needed to do he just went out and did it as best he could um and and will forever be uh, a favorite of of longhorn baseball fans and, and a guy we're rooting for so i'd love to see him add to that lineage of of longhorns in the majors carving out some nice careers so uh hook him and and congrats to uh to bochi ball making it to the triple a I've got nothing to say about that other than um, Iowa Cubs seems like a weird, uh, weird combination. I, I'm not sure. I guess it's not. I don't know what the drive is from Iowa to Chicago. If you get if you get called up, 
You know, it's 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 weird. Um, it's like a, the Cubs have like a, almost a Denver Broncos or Dallas Cowboys regional domination. If you look at like NFL maps, like the, the Broncos cover everything that isn't California in the West and the Cowboys just have the whole center, or whatever. Uh, the Cubs cover anything that's Midwest. Like I, I, I have I had an old roommate from Iowa uh, was a diehard Cubs fan. Like that's a, that's a real deal. They, they take that seriously there. Cause again, there's, there's not a whole lot of baseball, although they do have uh, cornfields that, that you can build and people will come. But, uh, but yeah, the uh, not a, not a ton of, of baseball there. So diehard Cubbies. So it's, it makes perfect sense to me. To keep the hot uh, take streak going, uh, Field of Dreams is not the best Kevin Costner baseball movie. Uh, But my bang the drum this week, Bull Durham's better, uh, is that (laughs) the Texas Longhorns are back on the practice field, and that means the celebrities are out. So Troy Tulowitzki popped up um, with Coach David Pierce to to meet the team. But the guy I want to talk about um, is one of my favorite WWE guys of all time. Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, the power lifter himself, University of Texas alum, sexual chocolate, if you like that (laughs) era of his uh, WWE attitude era uh, persona. But um, Mark Henry is a huge Texas fan, but was a supporter through the down years. Uh, but he, he recorded a quick video for the, the Texas official uh, social media account. And he was praising the, the it's a, this is a weird statement to make, but he was praising the bodies on the Texas players uh, based around the work Yancey McKnight has done with them in the off season. And that's kind of backdooring a video from earlier in the week where um, Yancey McKnight officially handed off the reins of the off season to the in season coach of Tom Herman, basically applauding the players for the work that they put in. And the culture shift that we're seeing, the attention to detail, the, the little things that are being paid attention to, uh, the fact that a guy who was a power lifter who competed uh, in World's Strongest Man competitions, um, that is a, a casual observer of Texas, um, notices those changes is a good thing to me. And I just love seeing those little glimpses that let you know that the culture is changing, the culture is shifting and could potentially be a championship culture. If this trend continues, I I am a, I am an avid Yancey fan. Uh, Anything that Mark Henry says he's big enough. I will take as, as gospel. Um, The man has picked up cars just for fun. Um, Yeah. I, I trust him. You know, he, he knows how to build bodies. I think he's like a trainer now. Um, and, and he, he knows about developing people into monsters. So, um, I am a thousand percent on the Yancey train and Mark Henry's, uh, Mark Henry's endorsement only makes it stronger. I just want to point out that was a good save. Cause I was under the assumption that you were saying Kevin Costner's best baseball movie was 1999 smash hit for the love of the game. Cause I know you love a good sports rom-com, but anyways, um, all in for the Texas strength and conditioning program. Bull Durham, significantly better than both of those films. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? I am uh, at Kyle Carpenter on the Twitter machine, and, um, you know, one day might make at government cheese a thing. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. You and a couple of other podcasts this week. My Nerd News podcast will be back uh, on Wednesday. You can check us out, Two Woke Nerds. Uh, you can also hear me this week on the 1012 podcast talking about Texas's most important game 
of the season. Spoiler alert, it's probably the one you're thinking of. That's all we've got for you. You can connect with the show on Twitter at LonghornPod. Choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Use the hashtag on Twitter, Replies of Texas, for your Kevin Costner baseball takes. You can, again, connect with us wherever you want to. We'd love to have you. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. It's clobbering time. <laughs> <laughs>